Hey guys, it's Maya and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun and they're all on the Instagram. So go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. Maya back again, guys. I have one more update for y'all. My Take now has a Patreon. I'm trying to expand the My Take community and also expand my earnings a little bit by creating a Patreon. We have three tiers, and in the top tier, we're actually starting a My Take book club. So anybody who joins, we're going to be reading a book together a month, and there's going to be monthly live streams and Discord benefits. So I'd really, really, really appreciate it if you could go check it out. The link is in the show notes. Okay, so I am very, very quickly becoming a big fan of Nick Stone's work. I read Dear Martin, and I absolutely adored that book. And I have an episode for that one, so if you've read that book, go check it out. But of course, because I read Dear Martin, when I was at a different recycled bookstore and I saw another book of hers, I had to get it. This time, we were talking about Odd One Out, which follows Coop, Jupe, and Ray as they deal with love and feelings and sexuality and identity and just generally being a teenager. And I loved this book. Once again, with the Nick Stone book, I read most of it in a day. It was such a good story. It spans most of a school year. All three of our main characters are narrators. It's so age-appropriate in the way that they deal with high school things and they deal with them in the ways that high schoolers deal with shit and there's amazing character development and this book was just so good and I had such an amazing time reading it. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh and this is my take. Okay, so as always with the book, we are starting with a little bit on the writing. And just like Dear Martin, this one is kind of coming of age in the way that it spans an entire year of high school and there's major, major character development. The kids go through a lot and you really see the growth in them and like the book is really focused on them being able to grow as people. Obviously, there's a lot of other plot points as well, but like a big plot point is how they grow as people. And there's just so much that I loved about the way the book was structured. There's chapter titles, and the chapter titles are so fun because for each different narrator, you get a different style of chapter titles, and those chapter titles are almost a form of characterization too because it's so linked to their personality. And I love that this book was split up into three sections for each of the different narrators instead of just flipping back and forth because... Even though it feels it feels like you get a narrator for less time, like I think when a book jumps back and forth between narrators, it feels like you're with the narrator for longer because you actually see them throughout the entire stretch of the book. Whereas with this, the book's like right around 300 pages. So that's about 100 pages for each narrator. And if you split the book up into three, that would be the same page count. But because you only get them for a certain amount of time, it feels like you get them for a lot less because you're not seeing their points of view throughout the entire book on all of the shit that's unfolding but the way that she did it and the way that she structured it 
makes it so beautiful and masterful and also keeps a level of mystery to the book because we start with Coop, so then he feels the most known to us, right? And it makes sense because he is the most explicit in his narration. He's like, I understand that it's stupid because she's a lesbian, but I have a crush on Jupe, right? He's very upfront about that in the beginning. And then he's like, oh shit, I actually think Ray is kind of cute. So we start with him. So he feels the most known throughout the entire book and his intentions are the most known, right? He has no way of really reading Ray and Jupe. And then Ray is like so confused by everything. And then Jupe is like this big mystery and we finally get to her part and we're like yeah because she's a big mystery to herself too she's like going through all these feelings and she doesn't understand it and so I think it just it works so beautifully and so masterfully and I love the way it's done and all of the narrators feel very distinct but you love the characters so much and you get to know the characters really well so it feels really comforting I love the way that Ray starts out with a crossword puzzle and they're all the different S words. I love that Jupes, it's her jams. I love that Coop just goes right into it. Like his basically first sentence of the first paragraph is the chapter title, which is really cool. And it just is so amazing. I love the minority representation, especially with the mixed race representation in there too, because I'm mixed race and so I love seeing mixed race characters. And I just think... It was so well done. I love this book so much. It was so cute and lovely and amazing, and I had an amazing time reading it, and I have nothing bad to say about the writing. I do, however, have a bad thing to say about the back of the book, because the back of the book pitches this book as if Ray and Coop start dating within the first, like, 50 pages, because... It mentions Ray and Coop getting together and then Jupe starts feeling weird about it. But that doesn't happen until like 200 pages into the book. So the entire time I was like, okay, when are they going to get together? When are they going to get together? What's going to happen? And so I feel like they should have just done it in a different way to market the book because it felt like you were spoiling a major plot point with it which was really annoying but besides that like I said nothing bad to say about the writing it really made me enjoy a love triangle and I fucking hate love triangles like with my entire being I hate love triangles so the fact that it made me like a love triangle I was very happy with that but that is all I have to say on the writing now we are going to jump straight into the plot So, like I mentioned, we start with Coop's narration and his very, very obvious crush on Jupe. Even though Jupe is very, very gay at this point in the book. And we also find out very early on in his narration that as like a seven-year-old child, I think they were like seven when this happened. Maybe they're a little older. But he pledged his virginity to Jupe, which is so weird and... I, I, yeah, that was just, that was a really interesting moment in that their past, but Coop is amazing. I love that he's a cheerleader. I love him and Jupe's relationship just as friends, like the way they're super close and they cuddle and they have the post-breakup jam and Coop is this amazing feminist, mostly because 
of Jupe's influence, and I love that for him. Like, I love that he calls Golly and Britain out on things, and I love Golly and Britain. Like, their friendship dynamic is so good because, once again, Nick Stone is working to normalize male vulnerability because it's it's just such the perfect balance. Like, that scene where they're in the weight room, like, Coop feels comfortable enough to call them out on their non-feminist bullshit, but also they feel comfortable enough to call him out on the fact that he's being a lovesick puppy, and they joke about lifting and weights and all this shit, and it's like, it's just, it's so good, and I love them so much, and I love that they come up with this game plan. I mean, I don't know how I feel about the game plan because on one end, it's very mature to be like, I need to remove myself from this situation that's like not giving me what I need in my life. But on the other hand, it's very high school to just try and like cut her off. I feel like it would have been the perfect game plan had they been like, hey, we are going to have a conversation and you need to tell Jupe, like, look, this is how I feel about you, and I understand that you can't feel the same way, but because you can't, I need to, like, step back from this friendship or something. Like, I feel like that was, like, the one vital piece that was missing, but besides that, I loved their game plan, and, you know, they're high scores. They're young, and they're dumb, and they're trying, and I love them for that, and I don't love that Coop starts feeling left out because Ray and Jupe are already bonded, and Ray can, like, cheerlead, cheerlead, so now he has to spend time with her, and... It's really interesting when he's spending time with her at the carnival because the carnival was just like such a fever dream moment to me. I was like, where the hell is this coming from in the book? It felt like a John Green moment. Like John Green has talked about an alternate ending for The Fault in Our Stars being Hazel and their favorite author going to like take down a drug lord. And it feels like The carnival thing in this feels like that. Like, Nick Stone thought of it, and it was supposed to be edited out of the book, but it was kept in, and it's not, like, terrible. It's just weird because we go from feeling all these feelings to, like, passing out of of a carnival, and then Ray has, like, kleptomaniacly, kleptomaniacly taken this picture from his childhood photo album, and they bond over Carnival Carl trauma, and I'm just like, I was so confused by what was happening. I mean, it's glorious, and I love that it sets them off on this quest, but it was just the series of events was so chaotic and confusing and funny, and I I love that it's in there. It's such a fever dream, but I love that it's in there, and Coop's narration actually ends by us learning that he has four different lives, and because he has these four different lives, he feels comfortable leaving Jupe at 3 a.m. to comfort Ray. And that is where we skip to Ray's narration. And on Thanksgiving, Ray gets drunk and asks a bunch of questions about sex. And it's kind of funny. I mean, I appreciate it once again because it's like those conversations are really weird and awkward to have. And so like just seeing that they're like parsing through a conversation like that is fun and funny. I don't like that she has that terrible experience with her ex, but I like that it's bringing them closer. I like that we're, like, seeing them converse about things and talk about things. And then Ray and Coop go to the old 
Carnival Carl house and find all those really old pictures, which that was another thing that was super creepy. I was like, why in this old rundown house is there just a bunch of pictures of little children meeting this dude? Like, once again, Nick Stone had a fever dream and put it into the book. I am completely here for it, but it's also fucking bonkers. However, the book continues to be bonkers because... Ray's long-lost sister, Bess, just shows up out of nowhere, and it's really a lot for her, and she's dealing with all these feelings, and her and her dad were in the divorce together, and she felt really abandoned by Bess, but Bess showing up actually gives Ray a lot of closure, and she's allowed to get some things off her chest, so once again, we see how it's, like, very coming-of-age and lovely, and I really enjoyed seeing that, and then, of course, on New Year's Eve, Ray kisses Jupe who then tells Ray that she can't be into Jupe because she is into Coop and she's also not gay. And I didn't really appreciate Jupe's explanation of the situation because it felt very mansplainy to me. Even though Jupe is this bleeding heart feminist, the fact that she's like, by the way, you can't be into me because you're not into girls and all of this shit. And I was like, well, Jupe, I think if you actually took a second to ask Ray, like I understand her being frustrated about Ray just like taking her first kiss from her. And that was something that was really special. But the way you just had to be so dismissive about it was really not cool. And I didn't appreciate it. But then they find Carl, which is really cool. And I was, like, super invested in the whole Carl thing at this point. So the fact that they found Carl, I was like, yes. And then I also appreciated that Bess calls Ray out on the fact that their entire friend group is basically into each other because somebody needed to say it because it was so fucking obvious because it's like it's actually genuinely a love triangle, which is one thing that's cool, too, because so many people have said that love triangles are not necessarily triangles because for it to be a triangle people other people have to be into each other like okay Katniss, Peta, and Gail is like one of the most famous love triangles right so they're all three points they're not technically a love triangle they're just two love arrows forming like a cone because Gail is not into Peta and Peta is not into Gail. So there's not that like third line connecting the triangle. I'm like making a triangle with my hands as I say this. So it makes a lot more sense like seeing it visually. And I know that doesn't help that I'm a podcast. But basically, this is actually a legit love triangle because, okay, let's have Coop at the top, right? Because he's the one guy. Coop is into Ray and Coop is into Jupe. And then Ray is into Jupe, and Jupe is into Ray, and both of them are also into him. So it's like, there's lines all over the place. It's a legitimate love triangle. So they really are all into each other, and it was really funny. And I think if they were older and this was an adult rom-com, there would definitely be, like, a hint of a threesome happening. I need to not say that because this is very much a YA book and I was praising how age appropriate it deals with shit and I need to not. But it's just funny the way that they're just like collectively into each other. Anyways, because they're collectively into each other, Jupe comes over and wants to talk, but instead of Ray letting her talk, Ray ambushes her with the knowledge that she wants to ask Coop out. 
which sends us into Jupe's narration. And of course, we learn that she was coming over to tell Ray that she had a crush on Ray, but Ray is like, I have a crush on Coop. So Jupe, in response, goes home and cuddles with Coop and is ignoring her feelings. And then she finally is like, to herself, she's like, I'm jealous of Ray. So proposes to give Coop her virginity as a birthday gift because she wants to fulfill the virginity pact. But the reason she's doing it is because she doesn't want Ray to get any of Coop's firsts. And it was so vindictive and bitchy. And I was like so torn because I was so happy that they were finally admitting their feelings for each other because like they do. They say I love you during the first night and he gets her bracelet and she keeps going back for like the entire week. Like clearly there's intense feelings there. But I was so mad because she was starting this on this like vindictive train and I was so mad and I didn't appreciate it. And then... Ray asks him out and Jupe's like yeah sure go for it and he's like what the fuck are you talking about go for it we've spent every night in each other's bed like it was so idiotic that that was what was happening and they get in this like gigantic fight and Coop somehow is like yeah sure I'm actually gonna go for Ray which I mean fair Jupe did tell him to go for Ray there's no reason he needs to be miserable but They're in a giant fight, and they're very, very distant for a while, so Jupe goes out with Brie and basically persuades her into hooking up, which I didn't like either because Brie was really nice and respectful, and she's allowed to flirt with Jupe, and that doesn't mean that there's expectations that they're going to hook up, and Brie was like, look, you're underage, and I don't want to do anything, and I want to be nice, and I want you to understand that it's just sex and all this stuff, and yet... Jupe was like, I understand, I understand, I understand, and then they had to go and hook up, and I was like, I was not happy about it, to say the least, and then Ray comes over and is like, oh, what's going on with Bree? Is she the one that has your bracelet, and instead of outing herself and Jupe, or herself and Coop, Jupe is like, yeah, Bree's the one that has my bracelet, yada, 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 which I was very happy she didn't out herself with Jupe because that would not have gone over very well at all, but it just, it's, it's a lot, and then I love that Britain and Golly show up for her! I love Britain and Golly, and I want to read spinoffs about Britain and Golly because they're so cute and adorable and I love them and I love how supportive they are and I love that even there though they're technically like Coop's friends Jupe calls and they're like yes we're gonna be there for you and they set boundaries with Coop for her and it's so amazing and they help her set up the Idris meeting and she's like look I'm dropping my label and she apologizes to Ray and she has a crush on one specific boy and it's just so cute. And then we skip to her birthday. And Ray gives her this, like, beautiful, amazing, mature card. And I loved that for Ray. And speaking of Ray, her and Coop have been done for a while. And even though they love each other, and by they, I mean Coop and Jupe, Jupe's not really ready for anything yet. So they cue the jam because technically coop did get broken up with and that's where the book ends and i absolutely adored it oh it was so 
cute and good and age-appropriate and nice and fun and frustrating because it was this gigantic love triangle, but it actually made me enjoy a love triangle and it was super well-written. And we got to see all three sides of them. I think that's one thing that's really important with this love triangle is we get to see every single person's point of view. So we get to see that there's genuine feelings there and we understand like they're friends and they all just happen to catch feelings and that's okay. And it was just, it's such a cute book with every book that Nick Stone writes that I've read, which I, albeit is only two books, but still I, it just stuck with me. Like the longer I've thought about it, the more I've been like, yes, I love this book. I'm so happy I read this book. It was so amazing. Why didn't I read this book earlier? Like all of those things. And it just, it's so good and beautiful and I loved it and I need to read more of Nick Stone and I love them and their characters and the development and I want her to write a Gallian Britain spinoff because I love Gallian Britain and it just... It's so good, and I feel like I need to talk about it for longer because it's only been 20 minutes, but it's like I'm just going to keep saying it was so good over and over and over again, so I need to wrap this episode up, but I love this book, and I think everybody needs to read it, so yeah. I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on Odd One Out by Nick Stone. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.